The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back into it at Tail Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Let's talk some football and welcome in our favorite Husker offensive lineman, Mr. Agent. He's in his Husker Dan. It's Papa Searles, Jeremiah Searles with us at Searles71 underscore HSKR. Searles, it is that week. Mm. It is Super Bowl week. And uh, you've got a, a stern look on your face as you nod uh, approvingly. Man, you you guys were just right there, yeah. Uh, just not that long ago. What uh, what's this week mean to you as a as a former NFL guy? Yeah, you know this week is it's awesome. You know, for me, this is such a great week because you get to watch two teams that have had the same goal in mind since they started OTAs back in April, and here they are. And you know, both sides of this group from San Francisco and Kansas City have had their own challenges as they've gone through the lulls, the highs of the season. And to see them as the last man left standing here, I mean, it just it fires me up because I think it's going to be a great game. But there's also that part of me that's just really sad because I know that, like, this is the end, right? Like, from here until September of next year, like, I don't get to watch football. I don't get to sit on my ass on a Sunday and just watch <laughs> TV. Like, I have to actually, like, do something now. I mean, at least hockey season is on still. But, yeah, this is this is a bittersweet when the Super Bowl ends for me. Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, what's your take on the extra week for these guys? Obviously, the bye week's important. You get your body right. Uh, you get to have a, a great performance in the, in the Super Bowl because of that. You know, uh, I guess less of a chance to have mm-hmm. sore bodies, lingering injuries. But at the same time, with a game this big, it's an extra week for these guys to think about it. And these guys to just be, uh, I guess, stressed about the moment. Maybe they're losing sleep this week, playing in the biggest game of their life. What is your take on that extra week for the guys that are going to be competing in the game? Yeah, you know, I understand it because you do want everyone to be as healthy as possible. But at the same time, you're exactly right. You can chase ghosts. You can overthink. You can overprepare. You can try and think, oh, I'm going to outsmart this dude by entering this end instead of just like rolling with like the playoffs are such a momentum thing week in and week out. Just survive in advance, survive in advance, survive in advance. But as we all know, the NFL is a money making machine. And so the longer we can just plug away for two weeks talking about the Super Bowl and add extra events and extra things. But from a player's perspective, and I'm talking with the guys that have played in the game and been there, it's a, it's a grueling week. Like the, the week before, like when you're preparing, so like right after the championship games is kind of business as normal. But you're in your facility, everything. But they said once you get to the Super Bowl week and you have the media and all the events and all that stuff, like the game just can't get there soon enough. And I feel for those dudes on that respect because, yeah, you're trying to go win and play in the biggest game of your life, but at the same time you have a bunch of contractual obligations you have to do throughout the week to make the wheel go around. Searles, let's talk about the matchup here. Uh, you've got Kansas City and San Fran. I believe San Fran's favorite point and a half, two points. That's still the, the case, I think, and – you know, what do you like? I know the storylines, the quarterback matchup, and I also know the storylines, the, the Frisco offense versus that Kansas City defense. And then you also have Kansas City's pass rush. They're, they're, they're incredibly talented, as is San Francisco. So mm-hmm. who wins Sunday? Yeah, it's going to be a phenomenal game. You know, the couple things that I'm looking at are how does Brock Purdy play against the Blitz? 
right? All year, he's been great. I mean, he has a 119 passer rating when he's pressured throughout this year. He's been fantastic of knowing where to go with the football, having answers when they send too many. And a lot of that also Christian McCaffrey, not just a great running back, fantastic pass protector, like being able to see the field come across. So, you know, how does Spags and those dudes where he blitzes like crazy and brings guys all over, what is their plan and how does Purdy respond to that? Is going to be a big part of the offensive success for San Francisco or not. Flip it on the other side, Kansas City, the thing that hasn't been talked enough about them is their run game. Isaiah Pacheco and what that offensive line has been able to do really since the month of December has been heavily reliant upon the run game with those sub-zero temperatures. And looking at the Detroit game, looking at the Green Bay game, they ran it on the San Francisco 49ers pretty well. You know, they went up and down the field, especially in that first half. I think Kansas City is going to want to come out and establish the run against this front because this front is not the front you want to fall down 10 points to. Like, you fall down multiple points, multiple scores against Bosa and Gregory and Armstead. It's not a good time for anyone involved, regardless if your name's Patrick Mahomes or not. So I believe they really want to get the thing going, but it's really going to come down to can 15 continue to find ways to win. And I've been betting against him the last two games. And, hey, oh, the Bills are going to get him. Oh, okay, well, the Ravens will get him. Okay, well, I can't bet against him anymore. As much as I don't want him to win, I probably think Mahomes finds a way to win this because he is just a freaking magician. Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, whenever you, you dive in specifically to the offensive lines, obviously the quarterbacks are going to draw the headlines. Mahomes, mm-hmm. Purdy, what a great story Purdy is, by the way. Mr. Irrelevant to the Super Bowl within just a couple of seasons. But at the end of the day, football a lot of times comes down to offensive line playing and running the ball, as you said. Which team do you think has the better offensive line? Oh, the Niners. The Niners in general's roster is better. Like top to bottom, like you, you look and you compare rosters. It's, it's not even close. The talent level between the two now 15 from Kansas city is the ultimate X factor. But I do believe that from left to right, from Trent Williams to um, John Feliciano to McKivitz to those dudes on the front lines for San Fran, I think are better. Now I do think that if you just say interiorly, right, the interior for Kansas city with Creed Humphrey, Joe Tooney, Trey Hendrickson, like, those three dudes are nails. Now, Joe Tooney, I don't know if he's going to be healthy or not. He had the peck issue. He missed the game. But I thought Algretti stepped in and played really well for him against the Ravens. So, you know, I think interiorly, Kansas City, but as a whole unit, you got to give it to San Fran. Searles, what is the grub situation like for Super Bowl Sunday? Elijah and I have batted this around, and, you know, there's thoughts of chili and wings and pizza, yes. But what are you doing? Uh, I actually, I went on a big tirade on this on my podcast this morning about the fact that, uh, Super Bowl parties are not it. They're not it. They're not the thing to do. You sit your ass at home, you watch the game and no one bothers you like Super Bowl parties. When you go to them, like it's not to watch the game. Mm -hmm. Like you want, I want to watch the football game and I don't want someone being like, what's the false start? Like, no, I don't want to hear it. (laughs) Like what just happened? Why is the guy in the white hat talking? Like, no, it's third and eight. Leave me alone. Right, like those those are the type of things I try and avoid. So I think we're just gonna hang out, chill at the house. I think one of my buddies down at Kratos might be having like a watch party, but I trust those guys because they're all former athletes to just leave me alone. I did have a, a buddy from church that was doing a pickleball tournament during the Super no. Bowl. I was like, You out of your mind? I was like, Stop it. Like, no, absolutely not. You don't pair the Super Bowl something, you pair Thanksgiving with something. No, you <laughs> just have it be its own thing. I, I think wow. there's a magic number to the Super Bowl party though, and that's Four. like like there. I was gonna say under five. If you yeah. get under five at your Super Bowl party, it is ideal. And there, you start getting above that, now you got social obligations you got to take. Well, there, there's rules to it. Three hours. Yeah, there's exactly. rules to it too. Like I don't, I don't want to know about your day. I don't want to know about your week. I don't want to know about what your kid's doing. 
Like, I don't want to know about any of it. I want to watch the game. You can talk to me afterwards. Fine. Like, oh, you had a tough week. Eh, it's first and 10 on the 20. Leave me alone. Right. Like there, there's certain times that's the time and the place to vent and talk about your life is not during Super Bowl Sunday. Are you a, a big uh, connoisseur of the ads or do you give a crap? I could care less. I could care less. I used to think they were cool as a kid. But I mean, for right now. I'm about the football, and the problem is I'm gonna have to watch Taylor Swift, and then I'm gonna have to watch the ads and do See, all the things. Okay, so you're you're not a, a Swift fan. Listen, I'm a fan no. that she brought in 331 million dollars to the NFL because eventually that trickles to the player, and I'm at the very bottom, suckling down the last little trickle <laughs> bit of it as the agent. So I'm not mad about that. Not upset about that. I am just upset about the fact that I'm going to have to hear about it for the next, during the whole game. Jeremiah like, Searles with us about. here. We're talking trickle down. This public service, <laughs> this public service announcement of what not to do, yeah. especially next to him on the couch Listen, during a Super Bowl. I'm only saying what everyone wants to say, right? No one wants to go to the Super Bowl party. Nobody wants to like the wife's like my friend's having friends over. And as a husband, you're like, I'll go. But listen, play it up. Say, hey, Searles said we could stay home. Blame me. Put it on me. No, no, and, and I'm I'm That's headed cool. to headed to Omaha to see a buddy, his wife, and a lot of the kids are at volleyball out of state. There so you it's go. just mm. it's just him. He's gonna smoke some wings and it's gonna be perfect. Incredible. I perfect. asked the wife if she wanted to come and she, and, uh, <laughs> she has no interest. No, that was Junior getting home. No interest. <laughs> the wife doesn't want to go. It was it was Junior. <laughs> that was horrible. I look over my yeah. shoulder. I asked the wife. Okay, yeah, she doesn't want to go. <laughs> no, she's she's out on it. Uh, so there's there's the rules to live by. Um, Searles, last thought here on, on the Super Bowl party yeah. from you. Will there be more chicken wings consumed or beers consumed by you on Sunday afternoon? Chicken wings. Chicken okay. wings for sure. Um, you know, I love a good chicken wing. And the, and the beers are tough because I, I lift at 5.30 a.m. on Mondays. You know, so mm. that's the other piece is, like, if you're not going to make, like, a, the game on Saturday, Monday at least should be, like, a half day, right? Like, national half day holiday, right? Like, hey, the Super Bowl rebound, right? You're either going to be really excited or really sad or you're probably going to be a little hungover, but... You know, overall, I wish they'd be a half day, but definitely chicken wings. I love chicken wings. It's definitely some chips. There's going to be some chips that get inhaled. Sun chips are the way to go. Oh, sun chips, garden salsa all day, every day. There he has it. All right. Dear friend of yours, Rex Burkhead, hanging mm. him up. We got to ask you about Rexy before we say goodbye. Jeremiah Searle's with us. Uh, what's your Rex moment? We're kind of polling folks we talked to this week. Yeah. And you've got uh, a chance to see most of them. Yeah, you know, I've got... I've got a lot, you know, but the one that comes to mind is the first week we were here, like the very first week in 2009 in the summer when we all got here, we all decided like we couldn't work out with the team yet. So as a freshman, we we're all like, hey, let's go. Let's go get a workout together. And Rex was the one that led the workout, right? He was like, hey, I know what we're doing. And he just took charge from that moment on. And all of us were like, yeah, this kid's going to be special. Like he's going to be the dude. And then, I mean, the one that really sticks into my mind is Iowa 2012. We're trying to figure out a way to climb back in. It's freezing cold. Like, nothing's been going all game. Rex didn't play in the first half, and then he came out on the second half, and he was like, I'm playing. And we found a way to just ride his back all the way to win that football game. And, you know, for him to to be that guy for us in those moments was just so much, and he just meant so much to us as a team, meant so much to us as teammates, and, you know, he's just such a fantastic dude. And he also is the last of the Mohicans of the 2009 uh, NFL Ola class. You know, we all 
had good careers. He outlasted all of us, and he's the last one to hang him up. So that it's an end of an era for sure. Yeah, and, and from your experience as an agent, what does it mean, especially as a running back in the NFL, to go from a sixth-round pick to being a guy who plays for 10 seasons? Yeah, I mean, playing 10 seasons as a running back in general is such a hard thing to do, you know, and Rex found a way time and time again to just keep carving out a new niche for himself, whether it was a first and second down power back or a third down blitz protection back or a screen back or whatever the team needed, he was able to just create and he was able to do and fulfill. And that's the kind of guy that the NFL wants around. You might not be the fastest anymore, the most talented, but every locker room needs those kind of guys. Every position room needs those kind of guys. And Rex was absolutely one of those dudes that until his body gave up, he was just going to keep going. And as an agent, you'd be like counting your lucky stars if you had a six-round pick go 10 years, yeah? Absolutely. <laughs> I'll, I mean, anyone. I don't care if it's a first-round pick. You play 10 years, you hit double digits in the NFL, man, you're doing something right. Couple minutes here. Jeremiah Searles with us. It's Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Cornhead Lager, and we're talking Rex Burkhead. Uh, we'll have a chance tomorrow to hear from from Matt Rule Searles, and we're excited to kind of get his thoughts as things transition from mm-hmm. winter conditioning into into spring football. And you know, I'm just wondering here. We we think the the two position groups to have the most attrition going to be offensive line and secondary, mm-hmm. right? Just because you have so many. So many numbers. What What's a good number? What's a needed number on the offensive line? You talk about your best five for sure, mm-hmm. but you need, what, a swing and, and a backup guard or a guy that can play guards and center. How many linemen do you need ready? Nine. You need you need nine guys ready, right? You got to have your starting five. You got to have your true backup swing tackle that can play either one. And then you really want to have um, just a true backup center. And then you want to have that guy that can back up both guards, right? Like, so you, you want to have a guy that, because no, not always you're going to have that swing guard, in my opinion, in college, right? Usually it's a guy that's developing as a left guard or developing as a right guard. And as a young player, you don't really want to say, hey, you're just going to swing because you want them to truly develop into one position. And so if you can have nine guys ready to go and not have this drastic drop-off from the starter to the backup because you've allowed them to stay in one place and develop, that's really the key because very rarely does an offensive line make it through an entire season without being banged up somewhere, shape, or form. Right, A tackle getting hurt or a center and someone coming in, even if it's a spot start for two or three games, you have to make sure that drop-off isn't a drastic drop-off to where the rest of the chain is weak because you have a weak link in whatever position has to fill in. So I would love to say that we could come out of training camp into the fall with nine guys that we feel really good about being able to come in and start. And as you talk about that depth, Searles, the, the freshmen coming in, how difficult is it for them to get into that that nine, if you will, when you look at Grant Bricks and Tamua and uh, you also have Gibson Pyle. A lot of excitement for these guys. How difficult is that task to, to make it into that nine? Yeah, it's hard, man, because it, not only physically you trying to get caught back up. I mean, good luck if you're 18 years old, come out of high school, and there's Nash Hutmaker standing across from you, right? Like, that's a <laughs> tough thing to do just physically. But then the mental aspect of it, too, of understanding offenses, understanding what the scheme is and the snap counts and what the checks are and all those things. It's just a lot to try and figure out, especially in one year. And honestly, it's not the greatest thing for your development, right? If you come in as a young player, if you can get in the weight room and be in that developmental group group that's lifting three, four times a week, putting strength on, putting weight on, making sure that you can figure your life out outside of trying to understand the offense, then you go into spring ball into your second year in a much better position than if you were just your first year. Jeremiah Searles with us. Searles, last thought, Turner Corcoran, where does Turner fit in, do you think, on the line? Yeah, I think he's definitely going to have to be in the guard spot. But, you know, I think he's also a guy you can't 
he's played enough tackle that you can't let him just lose that altogether because Teddy's never finished a season, right? Teddy's never been able to show that he can make it all 12 games. And that's such an important position at left tackle. I think Turner probably rotates there a little bit, but as of keeping him on the same side at left guard allows that transition not to be as crazy versus like, Hey, we're gonna play you at right guard. And then if Teddy gets hurt, we're going to bump you out to left tackle. Sure. Right. So just trying to keep him on the left side of the line. I think the left guard spot for him would be a really good landing spot. Searles, take care, brother. Thanks for uh, some do's and don'ts with the Super mm-hmm. Bowl, and uh, we'll check in again next time. Thanks, thanks Absolutely. again. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. Go Big Red.